0: I definitely found myself spending time on things that look to be useful but may not have been. I want to take a shot at something that's big enough. Now I'm just basically executing on it. No, that's not how it works. You, you either grow or you shrink. For having me, I'm one of the founders of an enterprise data management product company. We are building a self-service data access products for analysts that want access to data in order to do analytics, and they typically work in larger organizations. So that we are a product company. We're about a year, little over a year old, venture backed, and then two of us started the company. What, like I mentioned, that our target customer base large enterprises. We we are targeting the Fortune 500. I am the CEO of the company. Uh, I started the company with a good friend of mine, Nong. He is the CTO and does all things product and engineering. And everything outside of uh, product and engineering is my responsibility. Everything from fundraising to sales to to marketing to uh, recruiting and so forth. In fact, both of us spend a lot of time on recruiting, but that's what the, that's what the breakup looks like.
1: Okay. And how did you get into it? And, and how, just just from my point of view, because I don't have much of a background on it, making it as simple as possible to understand what y'all do.
0: Absolutely. You know, large enterprises, or in fact, I'd say any company out there today is trying to use data in order to make better business decisions. And if we are looking at a retail company, they're probably doing their planning on their inventory and, and supply chain. If we are looking at a bank, they're doing fraud analytics and they're doing marketing analytics to figure out what offers to sell you and so on and so forth. All of these kinds of things that different companies do are come from, uh, they use data analytics at the source of it. And in order to do analytics, these analysts and data scientists need access to data in a secure, high-performing manner. And we are building a product that enables that, where today it takes a, a lot of time for people to get access to data. We make that significantly simpler and easier. That's what our product is all about.
1: And making it easier, like I said, how, how did you decide to get into this and where were you beforehand?
0: My last job was at a company called Cloudera, where I was a part of the technical field team, uh, where I would work with Cloudera's customers in both pre-sales and post-sales capacity to help them build out new kinds of data platforms and solutions based on the technologies and the products that Cloudera was building and selling. So I spent about five years there and, and I got a... Got a chance to see the challenges that people would run into, that companies would run into as they are trying to modernize their stacks and, and adopt new, new technologies. And along the way, there were a bunch of patterns that started to emerge. There was a bunch of challenges that were very common across different companies, and that was sort of the genesis of uh, wanting to go solve them and build a product to do that. My co-founder, who I've known for about five, six years at this point, we overlapped at Cloudera for about four years where he was on the engineering side building different kinds of products. And we started talking in late 2015 about some of these problems that I was seeing and and some of the ideas that he had. And it turned out that we wanted to go solve the same set of problems uh, and had a very similar approach that we had come up with. He had done a lot more work on it from an engineering perspective. And I had talked to a lot more customers about and and understood the challenges that customers were running into. So it was a pretty good complementary set of skills that we brought to the table and complementary experience. And that's how we ended up exploring this further. And then as we spent more time together, as we learned about each other more, um, as we learned about what it may take to go build a company, if people to go do that, it made more and more sense to go take this on as the next step.
1: How, how were you able to do that? I mean, how, did you save up money or, or how, how did you get money to do it? And can you tell us just a little bit more, like, were you scared at all when you're going ahead from, you know, your job and trying to think about doing a startup?
0: Absolutely. I think uh, I was, I was uh, definitely very, very scared. None of this was... You know, uh, people talk about them having an aha moment and that this was it for them. And so forth. that's not how it, that's not what my experience was. It was definitely a scary experience. It was definitely filled with uh, a lot of doubt about whether I should do this or not. Is this the right thing for me to do or not? And 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 as I was going through that process, reflecting back on why I'm scared and where the doubt coming from and so forth was also very, very important to help calibrate a lot of that, a lot of the self-doubt and a lot of the conversations that were coming up. And uh, yes, money was a problem. Uh, We both of us had to give up our salaries entirely. In my case, it was a little more than salary that I was risking. I'm on an H-1 visa. So that starting a company has certain, there are certain constraints because of the visa that you have to take into account when you're thinking about starting a company. So it was a lot more risky than just the money. We did have some savings savings. That both of us had done over the course of the last few years, so we we knew that we could get to three to four, maybe six months pretty easily. And what we did there was when we started the company, we tried to raise money at the time, and I can go into more details of how that was working. Uh, and we were not able to raise in our first stab at it. Uh, it was it was definitely it was a humbling experience. we We realized that we didn't have our story straight, and we we didn't have our uh, you know we were not there yet. And what we did there was we said, we're going to take the next four months and we will do the work to build out a prototype, do more customer acquisition work, basically lay the groundwork before we can, before we go raise again. So we said, all right, if we have four months, we have four months worth of saving. And if we are not able to get it going by then, you know, we'll reevaluate and probably go find a job at that point in time.
1: And without jumping into, I guess, getting the money yet, I mean, that must have been a rough point because right, you had quit and then you had tried for what, three to six months to get money and you couldn't? So we tried to,
0: we tried to talk to investors and pitch even before we quit our jobs. Okay. Gotcha. We we took a shot at that and, and that did not work. And there's multiple reasons why that did not work. Now that I look back at it, one of the reasons was we were not invested full-time in it. Our, uh, you know, we, we, just by nature of being in a job, we had a backup plan already. And if you have a backup plan even before you get started, you know, that that that's a tough spot to be in. Uh, you can totally see why investors would not trust you with their money because you're not fully committed just yet. So that's that's one thing I would say. The other was we hadn't, given that we were in our jobs at the time, we hadn't yet been able to spend all the time required to lay the groundwork to go build a company. Doing all the customer research, building a prototype, going and talking to customers about whether they would buy it or not, and so on and so forth. There's just a lot more work that needed to be done that uh, we had not yet invested time in. So there was a gap in where we were and where we needed to be to go raise money. And the market had sort of tightened up a little bit around that time. This is I'm talking about April, February to May 2016. That time frame. So the market had definitely tightened up in in our space, and it was not as easy to get funding as it was, let's say, about a year before that. So we had to calibrate a lot based on that as
1: well. And so at that point, when you all realized that you hadn't had enough time, you basically doubled down and just decided to quit your job. And you're saying you had four months to figure it out.
0: That's right. That's right. So when we quit our jobs in in April, we said we're going to spend the next four months. Clearly, we were not able to raise money, uh, and there are multiple reasons behind that. The one that is in our control, uh, the one that that we just need to put in more work, and so, you know, we should at least take a shot at it. And to take a shot at it, we need to just set ourselves up for the next four months. And sure, here's what the finances look like. We have this much covered, and we're going to go spend the next four months doing these three things. We'll do the customer acquisition. We'll go build a prototype, and we're going to try to sell uh, the product and see where we get to. And that's when we will go raise money
1: so what was your like work life like at that point because I, I don't know was it normally before like a nine to five Monday through Friday then what what was it like then
0: before we quit our jobs it was definitely a lot more structured and a lot more I would say disciplined in nature you know being in the field so if I, I can I can speak to my specific example there in the field at Cloudera, I would get requests from the sales teams and let's say let's just keep on that example, so the sales teams would would bring in requests. So we need help with this kind of a solution, this kind of a customer, and so forth. So there was a there was a fair bit of work that was already done in terms of making sure that uh, the request that's coming in is valuable in nature to some degree. Now, obviously, I had to do some prioritization on my part with my managers and so on and so forth to make sure that I'm not spending time in areas that are not uh, strategic for the company, or I'm spending time in areas that are more strategic. And it aligns with the goals. So there was a lot of work and structure that was already in place to make sure that my time gets spent on the right things. Uh, right. So when I when I quit Cloudera, there was no sales team. There was no manager anymore. There was no goals of the company that I was trying to work within. It all had to be it all had to come from me and my co-founder. Right. So we had to set up our goals. We had to set up the structure and I definitely found myself spending time on things that looked to be useful, but may not have been as useful. And it took me a couple of weeks to adjust to this, this, this idea that the plans are made by me and my co-founder. The, the execution of those and keeping on track are up to us. And there is no external discipline. There's no external factor that's going to discipline us and keep us in, keep us on track we have to do it ourselves. So the the self-discipline and the self-generated structure, it took some time to get that. When it comes to the the timing, how much time, you know, or or what kind of a timing we would would be working, I don't think it was a nine to five at the time. It was, you know, there would be, I would be reading things at 8 p.m. or 11 p.m. And sometimes during the day, I would just, you know, take a couple of hours of break. So it was, it took some time to sort of get a rhythm there. uh, But once the rhythm settled in, It became like a regular
1: day of work. Want to be that guy that knows how to throw real parties? Well, now you can with Soundbox. It's the world's loudest portable speaker. It's built like a tank and has 40 hours of playing time on one single charge. So go ahead and be that guy. You know, the party guy. You earned it. Check out Soundbox, that's B-O-K-S, for more information on the world's best party speaker. Oh, and don't forget to check out episode twenty-three, where I interview actually one of the co-founders of Soundbox. I know you mentioned something about your H one visa, so I mean, could you give us some background on that and how you got one? And I guess if you weren't originally from here, how you got over sure. here? Sure,
0: I was born and brought up in India, in New Delhi. I did my uh, high school, and uh, I did my high school in New Delhi, and then I did my undergrad in a town called Patella in India. After my undergrad, I worked for a couple of years there and then came here for grad school. I went to UC Santa Cruz back in 2008. Post, I dropped out of my PhD there, took, took my master's, got out, went to work for Amazon Web Services back in 2010. Uh, and did that for a little over a year before leaving and joining CloudEra in 2011. So that's my, that's my journey. And I was on an H1 starting uh, my time at Amazon. And until today, I'm on an H1.
1: Could you actually talk a little bit more about your transition from India and coming to you know United States?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it was it was not the easiest decision. It was not the easiest transition. I definitely had to leave behind friends, family, all the structures that I had there, uh, and, and the comfort of a known atmosphere and a known culture. And I I traveled before this, so it was not my first exposure to outside of India and uh, but I'd never lived outside India. so from that perspective it was definitely a, a completely new world uh, that I was experiencing. And when I moved here, one of the things that I said was that I will move back to India immediately after my master's and or my PhD and, and go find something to do there. So I explored that at the time but it became very clear to me that it would make sense for me to explore some opportunities here for a while. Before I move back. And that was actually, that thought was one of the reasons why I ended up starting a company at this stage, uh, was that a full expression for me to go explore opportunities would only happen if I pursue this dream of starting my own company. Going and working for another company after Cloudera would not, would not do justice to, to who I am, would not do justice to what I am interested in doing personally. And I would, probably end up having regrets down the road of not exploring this. So that was definitely one thought there which which got me to start the company, which is that I want to take a shot at something that's big enough and worth my time and energy at this stage.
1: Well, yeah, well, I guess up to this stage, can we talk to us about any of like the hardest things that you've had to overcome? Because that obviously seems like a big hurdle right there. I couldn't even fathom you know, going to another country and leaving family and friends behind. But I mean, either personally or business-wise, thus far, some of the obstacles that you've had to deal with.
0: Do you want me to talk about in the in the context of the company in the last one year or just in general?
1: In general, that's, that's what I was going to yeah mention is that I guess you're about a year... A year and a half into Shariba? That's right. A little over a year, yeah. And so before that, it's all had been kind of structured jobs, right? Correct. Yeah. You know, it, it can be on either part because it still is kind of a newer company, but it's interesting. People can pull from either having a structured job. They might have a structured job right now that they've overcome obstacles and difficulties.
0: Absolutely. So the the, the kind of challenges I've faced are different kinds of obstacles along the way. So moving to, moving to the States uh, in 2008, when I moved here in August, September timeframe. I came here with the intention of funding my own education. And I did not take a loan. I did not take, I I took a little bit of money from my parents for the first quarter. And and when I got here, the financial meltdown happened soon thereafter. So funding for the university uh, was not as easily available. There were not as much, as many, I would say, internships or things like that that were available out there. So it was, it was reasonably difficult to Get the financial situation sorted out. So that was definitely one one obstacle. Now, add to that, my background was electrical engineering before I came for grad school, and grad school was computer science. So I didn't necessarily have all the all the fundamentals figured out either. So I had to learn completely new subjects, which in parallel, in parallel to taking the classes, which uh, would lay the groundwork for me. And along with that, I had to figure out how to get my finances and funding sorted out. So that was not An easy three months, uh, I would say. So I got here in August, actually late August, early September. And by December, uh, I sort of got into the rhythm of a quarter system, uh, a university in a completely different country, studying things that I had never studied before while doing the foundational stuff and figuring out how to get my finances sorted out. I would say those three months were probably some of the more challenging three months that that I had faced till then. Probably the most challenging three months. So that was definitely hard, and a lot of hard work and a lot of uh, you know, a lot of luck. Also, played uh, luck played a role there. But that was definitely
1: a hard period. And so, were you able to get a job as well while you were trying to do that, or how, how were you able to pay for that? We said if you had to overcome the obstacle.
0: Yeah, my first quarter, I had brought, I, I had taken money from my parents, so I was covered till December. Uh, what I had to figure out was how am I going to pay for my education and living expenses after that. I did take on a part-time grader job at the campus uh, during that first quarter. And that that helped me settle into it. That helped me learn how the system works and then gave me a little bit of pocket money as well. But that was not going to pay for my tuition or my living expenses in its entirety for the rest of the course. So I definitely had to figure something out. What happened there was, like I said, luck played a role. I, I came across an opportunity at Cisco where they were trying to partner up with uh, universities and get interns to work on uh, some researchy projects. I wouldn't call them academic research in nature, but more research in exploratory in nature to try out some new ideas. And I came across uh, one of those opportunities and the person leading it was generous enough and said, I want to give you a shot at this thing. And would you be interested? Um, so we explored that a little bit further, and, and there was alignment in what I was looking to do, what he was trying to accomplish in his team, and, and I ended up joining him. So that became a part-time job for me while I was in grad school. And through that, Cisco paid for they, – they had some grants that they gave the university, and that paid for my tuition
1: and, and living expenses for the next two years. Well, I guess yeah, that must have been one of your proudest moments then, I imagine, if you're able to find a way to get, get that paid for, and that was one of your goals, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it it was definitely a, a very proud moment. It was definitely a you know I I definitely felt that I accomplished one part of what I had come here for, and then I laid the laid a foundation that would help me uh, actually grow much much beyond that. And that the, actually it was more than just the finances, right? The Getting the practical exposure to the challenges that a large company faces, uh, the teams face or the teams are facing, and The kinds of technologies that they explore and the constraints that they have to operate and why would one thing work better than the other? And what are the things that they care about? I think that was very, very uh, important as well. I will not trade that experience for anything. That experience was, uh, was incredibly important. And, and I think uh, oftentimes people underestimate the importance of practical hands-on experience working with teams and and people out there in the industry. I think that was one of the, uh, one of the most defining uh, factors of my grad school uh, for me
1: was that experience. Has there been other ones that you can touch on since I guess you started the company and you obviously got past those four months if you're about a year and a half in uh, your current company? Uh,
0: in terms of uh, practical experiences?
1: Yeah, or like proudest moments that you've had because entrepreneurship, we hear a lot about the ups and downs. Um, yeah. Like you said, either yeah. business or personal. Right, right. Some of those moments since you've started the company.
0: Absolutely. Let's get to uh, Cerebro. Now, there have been there have been ups and downs in Cerebro as well. So, like I said, when we started the company back in April of last year, we were not able to raise money easily. We we didn't have our story straightened out, and it took us some time. So we took the time to to go do that, and then in in August uh, September is when we started to get the traction and and got the money that that we were looking for. I think a big proud moment for us there was we, in those four months, we we closed a deal with a large tier one bank, and it was a licensing deal for the product. And the bank agreed to get into a design partnership with us, which meant that they would give us feedback on the product specs. They would influence our roadmap and our prioritization of what we are going to go build. And uh, they committed a pretty sizable chunk of money to uh, to us in terms of licenses. And that, I think, was one of the most proud moments for me was getting to a point where a tier one company like that, a tier one bank, which operates under regulatory constraints are relatively, uh, I would say, conservative in nature just by virtue of the business that they're in. They have to be conservative in nature in terms of what technologies they use, but they trusted us to build the right product for them, to be their partners. And I think that was a very, very proud moment. And- uh, we uh, both, N- Nong and I have spent uh, a lot of energy and time on making sure that we deliver on, on what we promised them and we, uh, we hold up the trust that they have in us. Uh, so I think that that is definitely something that I would say as a company and as a team has been a, a very, very proud moment when we closed that deal, uh, as well as a very rewarding experience of going through the the closing of the deal, as well as uh, delivering off everything that we promised. And then we continue to operate in the same way in delivering new features to them.
1: Well, can you jump us more into the details of how you're able to get that? You're saying that was your first, very first deal? That was our very first field, absolutely. So how does that even happen? Like, how do you make <laughs> it happen? You walk into the <laughs> bank and just ask, is, you know, I've been mean, up to that point. It seems interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, like I said that in my last job, I was in the field and I worked with customers. Right. So when I worked with customers, I there's two things that happened there. One was I got a good insight into the problems that people ran into. So that is one. And the second is, relationships got developed as a result of us working with customers, of me working with customers. Uh, and uh, when we decided to go do this company, I reached out to some of the folks that we had worked with uh, and helped out while at CloudEra and asked them that, you know, if we if we were to go build a product that does these things and it looks this way, would you buy? And this bank was, was very interested in the product that we uh, we put in front of them. And they said yes, we would. Let's talk. Let us tell you a little bit more about what we are trying to do, and see if we if it makes sense for us to partner. And through those conversations uh, over 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 some time uh, is when the, you know, the the trust was already there to some degree. They they had seen our work, so we weren't completely new entities to them. Uh, so that definitely helped. And then from there, we just had to do the work. To continue building the trust, to continue building the relationship, and to show that we can deliver on what they care about, and and that's when when we got to a point where they felt comfortable making that bet on us is when they did the deal with us.
1: And then after they got comfortable, so if we fast forward today, like how many deals have you closed, or, or people do you work with, and give you an idea of company size and and or revenue?
0: Um, we have we we closed a second customer uh, very very recently. So the, the way the deal was structured with our first customer, this bank, was that we will get them to a production state by early this year, and and, and which meant that uh, we could not take on any more customers. We had to be laser focused on just getting the product built so that this customer goes to production, and and we did that in the time frame that we had promised. Once we did that, we wanted to just take another month or so to. Let the product get some usage, uh, us build out some things that we wanted to build before we would go to the next
1: customer uh, and so forth. So we did that. And then just earlier this month, we closed our second customer. Is, was, it, was it a bank too or was it a different type of company?
0: No, this is a retail company. Mm-hmm. Um, now we are in conversations with multiple other companies you know, who we're looking to close deals with in the next six months or so. Uh, some take longer than others, but now we're in multiple conversations.
1: Is it So is it just still you and your partner, or do you have other people who work for you, or how's that work?
0: Uh, we are seven in total right now, mm-hmm. and we will uh, we'll be growing to about
1: 12 by the end of the year. And are they all, all there in San Francisco? Uh,
0: we have uh, some presence in Seattle, but mostly everybody is in San Francisco right now. Uh, and everybody is focused on engineering, uh, except me.
1: So do you not do the hiring since or, or do you for the engineering?
0: Oh, I absolutely am. Uh, I'm a part of the hiring process. I do interview and, and we do all the work.
1: How has that been a transition? Did you have to deal with that when you're at your previous company as well? Because <laughs> I find the management part can sometimes be a different hurdle for entrepreneurs.
0: Right, right, right. Um, so at CloudEra, I was not on the engineering side. So I was not really doing product engineering there either. I was technical in nature in that I would work with customers on building the solutions when required. So I was pretty deep into the technology um i had moved away from core engineering when i left amazon back in 2011 and i think that was a hard transition i was not not really sure if i was ready to do that and if you know if that's the right thing for me and do i you know th- those are the set of skills i have and i don't necessarily have any other skills at the, at that time and that was a thought and I, there was a lot of self doubt around can i do this should i do this is this the right thing to do and and, and so on and so forth and but it worked out pretty well uh, and i found something that 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 really excites me, and one of the things there that helped that transition was the team at Cloudera and the and the people that I worked with were exceptional uh, and uh, very very supportive. So that that helped that transition at the time.
1: I know we had discussed kind of off air beforehand, but um, were some points that you thought would be really important for our audience to know? Did you want to talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's uh, you know there's there's a there's a few learnings that I've taken over the last few years. Uh, and, and they are definitely at the forefront of forefront now that I'm building a company. And, and I'll offer some of these things which are more generic in nature and not so industry or or uh, product specific. You know, I think the importance of experience is often under um, underrated. I think getting hands-on experience working on uh, problems with people, like I said, that the customer focus experience for me was very very valuable. Uh, similarly, the experience during grad school of working with a with real world problems at a company which operates with its own constraints was very very valuable. I think we should we should encourage people to um, to get as many experiences as they can and then build on those. Purely academic in nature doesn't necessarily cut it either. And and the way I would say uh, in typical professional setups is go beyond what your job. Definition or title says. If you're a software engineer, try and learn how customers use the product. If you work on customer support, try and learn how certain aspects of the product are built or sold. Like there's there's any number of things that you uh, that you can get experience on uh, by just putting in some additional effort. And I think that, that is that is incredibly important. That's one thing that I would definitely say is something that all of us can do more of. The second thing that I would say, and you know, I've been very fortunate in this, is surround yourself with with some great people. I uh, like I said that uh, my the team that I joined at Cloud and, and just overall people at Cloud were a very really, really amazing set of individuals uh, and really really smart, trying to build things that they cared about that would add value to customers. And surrounding yourself with people like that just off just automatically forces you to up your game and engage in conversations that are you know i would say productive and constructive in nature uh, so i think that is the second learning that i have i've had is surrounding yourself with, with people who who challenge you who are different than you who are uh who are up to something and who you know who you will grow as a result of and then don't just don't just uh, look at how you will grow. Also contribute to them. So it has to be a two-way street. You 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 want to contribute to them in in any way you can. So that's the second thing that I would say. And then the third thing that I, I found a lot of people to not pay much attention to is investing in your own self. Right. Your own self development is is something that is incredibly important, especially as a founder. You you have to learn how you, you realize that the company is a reflection of you. If you're, the, if you're the founder of the company, the company is a reflection of you and you will approach it with, you will approach the business building with your own set of values, your own set of biases, your constraints, your own filters and so on and so forth. And recognizing that you have those and being responsible for, for your bias when it comes into the mix and and, and knowing when to actually keep it out uh, when it's not very healthy uh, is something that's important. And and uh, I don't think people spend enough time investing in their own state of mind, in their own training, in their own self-development. And I'd say every single penny and every single second spent on that will give exponential returns down the road. Uh, and that is something that I would definitely encourage everybody, not just entrepreneurs, everybody to to invest
1: in. Well, ho- hopefully the people listening... Um... Said, are, are investing in themselves by listening to something like this and listening to you know smart people like yourself. I mean, is there examples that you can use that I mean, where you've done that? Have you gotten away from not investing in yourself before and then you're like, I need to do something <laughs> to you know make sure I stay on point? And do you have any examples?
0: Um, you know, I've participated in uh different kinds of programs and courses, uh, to. Learn along the way, and while I was at Cloudera, I think I would say there were a couple of years in between there that I uh, stopped investing in my own training and development as an individual. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about technical skills in terms of coding. I'm also not tech talking about you know hobbies. I'm talking about just developing yourself as a human being uh, and you know, as a personality and and as a, as a person. I stopped paying attention to that, and I think there was a little bit of arrogance that probably had kicked in around that time where they said, yeah, I've done all this work. Uh, now, you know, I'm, I have to, now I'm just basically executing on it. No, that's not how it works. It's a, uh, you, you either grow or you shrink. So uh, if you stop growing, you start shrinking. And and arrogance is probably the worst thing that you can do, uh, you can bring to the table at that point. So I think that, and I have quickly learned that that wasn't working very well. Uh, so I had to take a different approach and get back to looking at you know why am I saying what I'm saying why am I doing what I'm doing? what's at the source of it and and so on and so forth and asking myself these questions and challenging myself and then putting myself back on the track of you know reflecting developing myself and so forth
1: well, speaking of challenging yourself uh what do you see for you know your future and maybe your company's future and what what are you hoping for here in the next year couple of years um, further down the line
0: yeah uh, absolutely I think there's Uh, can break that down into two different things right one is uh for the company and second is for myself as an individual Mm -hmm. i think for the company what i see there is there is a lot of work that uh, we need to do to continue building the product and the company and the sales engines to make it a more repeatable offering the marketing engine and so on and so forth so there's there's product development there there's a development of the organization and the team and then there's there's Making sure that the sales and the marketing engines are kicking in, and and there's repeatability there. So there's there's just a lot of work that we have to do uh, on on all fronts over the course of the next few years to build this company to be a, a self-standing, a healthy business that can sustain a, a period of uh, that, that can sustain over a long period. Nong and I are just not interested in in building a company that gets bought quickly. That's not that's that's not interesting to us. We believe that what we are doing has the potential to be a self standing business over the long run. And we want to give it our all to try and get it there. Which brings me to challenges for me personally. This is my first company. I have never been a CEO before. And I'm learning so much on every single day around how things are done, what to do, what not to do, how I approach it, my bias, and so on and so forth uh, that there is, you know, I'm being challenged every single moment uh, at this point in time, and which is incredibly gratifying for me is uh, that challenge, that growth for me as an individual, and uh, something I value quite a bit. If people want to at
1: least say say thank you for coming on the podcast or other potential clients, what, what's the best way to reach you?
0: Uh, absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Amandeep Khurana. You can find me on Facebook, and you can always drop me an email. It is uh, amansk at gmail.com either of those work and yes
1: please feel free to reach out and i will uh, i'll do my best to respond well like said well thank you for sharing your story and uh, coming on the podcast today thank you thank you for listening to the podcast after each episode ask our guest a few additional questions such as what's your favorite tool or program that makes your business more efficient what business book have you learned the most from And what's the biggest challenge still holding your company back? If you want the answers to these questions and other ones as well, then head over to our website, millionaire-interviews.com. You'll find the answers and much, much more at the bottom of each podcast episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Now go ahead and enjoy another one of our episodes. You've earned it.